Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. We are your hosts, Joseva Kapadia and Jasper Rivers. Get paid for your pad. 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 Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 60 of Get Paid for Your Pad. My name is Jasper, I'm your host for today, and with me today is David, and David is the co-founder and CEO of Everbooked, which is an automated pricing tool for Airbnb hosts. So I'm very excited to talk to David, he's going to tell us all about what you can do with this pricing tool and how it benefits you as an Airbnb host, so David, welcome to the show. Hey Jasper, thanks for having me. How are you doing today? Doing pretty well. How about you? Not too bad. Not too bad. It's early morning here in uh, Vietnam, where I am. Um, what about you? Where are you uh, located? Uh, it's late, late night here in Oakland, California. So okay. at uh, opposite sides of the world. Pretty much. <laughs> so, David, could you tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into Everbooked and all the details? Yeah, well, absolutely. So, I mean, just the you know, just a quick background on me. Um, I've been a, a, a travel guy, I dare I say, a travel nerd for uh, quite a long time now, and um, really, you know, very familiar with sort of the finer points of travel. And uh, recently, or more recently, the finer points of yield management, which is a revenue management, which is a technique that a lot of airlines and hotels use to increase their revenue. And so, with Everbooked, I've been starting to bring some of that, those same technologies to folks that are running Airbnb uh, listings, Airbnb places, and basically giving them some of the same advantages that airlines and hotels have had for quite a long time, and that I'm, uh, for better or worse, uh, very intimately familiar with. <laughs> That's funny. So you've, you've traveled uh, quite a bit uh, throughout your life, yeah? Yeah, no, and and not only traveled, but I've traveled, uh, traveled in style, we'll say. Um, I'm... Uh, very familiar with with how to use like uh, points and miles and things like that. And so, for example, last year I flew around the world first class. I went to San Francisco, London, Johannesburg, Hong Kong, and back to San Francisco, uh, all first class on uh, British Airways, Cathay Pacific, and didn't pay a dime for it. Wow! So that's that's uh, it's a lot of fun. That is pretty amazing. Well, I've had the pleasure of flying first class. A couple of times back in the day when I was working uh, in, in finance, and I remember one time I flew from Amsterdam to Chicago, and I was just so comfortable in my in my bed watching movies and you know having nice food and drinks, and I just didn't want to leave the plane, you know. Yeah, it really is. The, the you know these days a lot of these first class suites, as they call them. Are, are pretty ridiculous. Um, Singapore Airlines, for example, gives you basically an entire room to yourself. You get a, a room with a bed and, you know, they bring you champagne and they bring you all kinds of good food and all sorts of things. Um, and so, you know, it's <laughs> it's generally reserved for the rich and famous, but uh, it's, it's a lot of fun, when, as they say, using these points and miles to be able to yeah, to experience that as uh, a mere mortal, like right. uh, like you and I are, mm-hmm. right? And it's you know normally these first class tickets are extremely expensive, right? 
we're talking like 10, 15, maybe 20 times the price of a normal ticket. But with miles, it's the difference isn't that big, is it? Well, with miles, you, you really are only, you know, either you're not paying anything at all or you're just paying the taxes, which, which generally is at most, even on an international ticket, maybe a couple hundred dollars. Um, like I think, uh, I, I think, you know, from San, a previous trip I did, I went down to South Africa. And so I went first class again. I went San Francisco, uh, Hong Kong, Johannesburg, and then back Johannesburg, Hong Kong, San Francisco. And I think the total out-of-pocket expense for that was I think $125 each way, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a few years ago. And if I, I just for fun, I looked. And so I, I went on, this was on a, an airline called Cathay Pacific, which is another one of the great airlines of the world. Mm -hmm. And I looked and I said, okay, so if I was just going to buy this ticket, just pay just dollars for it, how much would it cost? And my recollection is it was about $32,000. Oh so, my God. That's insane. <laughs> $250 was a little better. Yeah. Well, that's 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 uh, that's awesome, and uh, the way you did this was by uh, collecting a lot of miles on credit cards, correct? Yeah, you collect a lot of miles on credit cards mainly, and there's uh, you know there, we could probably spend an entire hour just on this topic alone. But there's all kinds of uh, all kinds of different ways that you can do that. So you can um, uh, you know get these credit cards that have these large sign up bonuses, uh, and and they'll give you you know seventy thousand miles on some airline or fifty thousand miles on some airline. And so if you as long as you meet like a minimum spend, and so if you if you do several of these things, uh, you got to be careful with your credit rating and things like that. But if you do several of these things. Uh, you can you can rack up a lot of miles fairly quickly. Not to mention miles, you can actually rack up just by spending your own money on the credit card mm -hmm. for everyday expenses. Right. Great. Well, that's uh, we can uh, like you said, we can probably talk about an hour about this, but uh, that's not the purpose of the show. So let's get into uh, Airbnb. How did you find out about Airbnb? Well, so it, it, actually, so one of the other. The other trips I took, I've <laughs> done, done quite a few of these. One of the other trips I took, I did a, a, another first-class thing, and I went the other way around the world, and I went uh, I went San Francisco, London, uh, Singapore, Sydney, Australia. And um, this was this was several years ago. This was around uh, around New Year's 2000. And um, and I was going down with my family, actually, and we were going to go down for, for and, and celebrate the millennium in Sydney, Australia. And we were, you know, of course, it's it's New Year's in Sydney, right? And the Millennium New Year's in Sydney. It, things are fairly booked, and so all the hotels were booked. And we we started looking around, and we found a, a, a site that uh, is actually a competitor to Airbnb because Airbnb didn't exist back then. Mm -hmm. uh, it's called uh, Vacation Rental by Owner (VRBO), mm -hmm. and they they had a listing in Sydney for uh, it was a penthouse apartment, and I don't remember the, the building, but it was one of the big downtown skyscrapers down in the Central Business District in Sydney, Australia, for New Year's Eve, and I don't remember exactly how much it cost, but my recollection was it was like $125 or $150 US dollars a night uh, for this two-story penthouse apartment on the top of this building in the Central Business District. And I sort of said, uh, this, this seems like a better way to travel than <laughs> staying stay in a small room at the Hilton. Yeah. And... Um, and so that was my sort of first introduction to the concept of vacation rentals in general. And uh, of course, as I'm sure you know, Jasper, as Airbnb has come on the scene here in the last few years and made quite an inroad in uh, in the vacation rental market, and and really made uh, you know really opened up some new frontiers, new avenues with um, uh, you know with the you know the, the private rooms and the shared rooms and things like that, things that some of the other vacation rental sites didn't even offer. Mm -hmm. And um, and so you know, sort of became familiar with vacation rentals back then, and then became familiar with Airbnb. Uh, you know, as they sort of burst on the scene and and really 
you know, since then I've had a lot of really great experiences um, meeting hosts and talking to folks. I personally think you get a far more natural experience with Airbnb uh, than you do staying in a hotel. Just mm-hmm. the, the local flavor that, you know, maybe a concierge at a hotel could give you a little of, but you really get that when you're, you're having drinks with a host, uh, right. you know, in some, in some foreign land. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Because, uh, you know, my experience with concierge at hotels is actually not that great, you know, and I've, I've traveled full time pretty much for the last five years. So I've stayed in uh, one or two hotels and, uh, you know, in certain, in certain places, they, I feel like they, they just refer you to a place where they get a commission or, or sometimes they just have no clue, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty shocking some how, how, uh, how badly these concierges are informed. Yeah, no, I would, I would, I would completely agree. And, uh, yeah, so we've had we've had some of the most amazing. Uh, you know, my wife and I have had some of the most amazing travel experiences. Uh, you know, even just in the last few years uh, with with Airbnb. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And uh, so, uh, what about uh, Everbooked? How did you how did you get involved with that? Well, you know, so I was, I was starting to talk a little bit earlier about the yield management and uh, the revenue management that these airlines and hotels do, and so how they how they price their 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 services. And you'll see this with, you know, as I said, with both airlines and hotels, but you'll see some really interesting things. For example, on the airline side, a flight from San Francisco to New York uh, might be more expensive than a flight from Monterey, California, which for those of you that don't know the Bay Area, it's about an hour and a half, two hours drive south of San Francisco. So mm-hmm. Monterey, California to San Francisco to New York on the same plane, the same plane, San Francisco to New York, same flight, right. it might be less expensive to add that extra flight on. Yeah, and 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 same thing with hotels. Uh, where you'll get you know some some really interesting sort of pricing dynamics, and and it, it's all because they're running these yield management or revenue management systems. They they basically figure out like in that airline example, they figure out well, there's actually there's more demand. There's there's a a, a customer who'll pay a higher price to go from San Francisco to New York than there is a customer who'll go from pay to go from Monterey to San Francisco to New York. Mm-hmm. So we'll actually charge a higher price for the same seat. Right. But, Hotels do exactly the same thing with, um, you know, and, and base a lot of their information based on events and based on seasonal trends and things like that. So, you know, they'll, they know that if there's a, uh, uh, it's a rainy Tuesday in Portland, Oregon, uh, say in November, um, you know, nothing's in town. They know that there's just not a lot of demand, demand and they'll lower their price. Conversely, if it's, you know, the same Tuesday, except it's in July and, you know, maybe it's July 4th or something in Portland, um, you know, they know that there's a lot of demand because, for again, for those of you that are, are don't know, Portland is absolutely gorgeous in the summertime. Not quite as gorgeous rest of the year. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they'll raise their prices. The hotels will raise their prices in Portland in the summertime um, because of the Fourth of July, because of maybe a conference or an event that's in town, um, uh, just because of the fact that it's summer and it's right. beautiful. And do you do you have a background in this? Like, did you used to work for airlines or hotels or? Uh, I've got I've got a, a, a financial modeling background, um, so not specifically with airlines and hotels, but I'm I'm very familiar with how a lot of these models and things like that are put together. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's yeah, it's, I've got that sort of that that technical background. And I am an engineer as well, so um, that's uh, it's one of the fun things for me is is that not only am I CEO of the company and and get to uh, you know get to sort of you know see the big picture and understand how all that works. Um, I'm also an engineer and I can also sort of understand a lot of the nitty gritty stuff. Right. Uh, so, so to answer your original question, though, so what I try to do, or what, what what I realized is that 
you know, these airlines and these hotels are doing this revenue management. They're, they're increasing their revenue uh, by, by, you know, charging different prices on different nights or different prices for different flights. And the vacation rental market and Airbnb uh, hosts really are not. Most Airbnb hosts, um, something like 85% of them, from what we've found, 85% of them charge just a single price each night. Yeah. Um, then there's some, then maybe they've got a, a, a summer rate and a winter rate, or they've got maybe a weekend, they boost things on weekends a little bit, but it's, it's like two or three prices and only a very small fraction are doing any kind of uh, more um, sort of hotel-like or, or airline-like pricing. Right. Most people are just, just flat prices. Yeah. Yeah, and I think of all the different aspects that you have to master to, uh, to be a re- successful Airbnb host, I think pricing is the number one thing that people have trouble with because it's not that easy, right? I mean, how do you know what the best price is? And well, I think a lot of it, people set one price because they just don't really know how to do it differently. Well, and it's, it's, it's really hard, and it's really hard for two reasons. One is, is that you've got to figure out, in order to figure out your best price, just your best price overall, you've got to figure out what your competition is doing and look at that and, and, and understand sort of what a lot of you know folks that um, are competing with you, what other Airbnb hosts or other vacation rental hosts are doing. You've got to figure that out. And then, ideally anyway, you've got to sort of monitor things on a, on a very ongoing basis. So as, mm-hmm. as things get booked up, as, as availability changes in your listing or availability even changes on other listings, right. you, have to, you have to react to that exactly. um, as events are announced and things like that. You've got to react to that and raise your price or lower your price based on that. Uh, you've got to react to the seasons. You've got to react to, I mean, if you really want to get fancy with it, you can even start to react to things like weather patterns and things like that. Sunny weekend coming up, raise your price a little bit. Very smart, yeah, and uh, you know, I we we talk about this uh, in our book quite a lot because um, because I think with pricing, uh, you're listing right, you can really improve your results a lot, and uh, but there's only so much you can do as uh, as just an individual person, you know, like myself, I have an econometrics background, so I'm pretty good with math and statistics and stuff. But still, you know, I, I can't spend the whole day like trying to like monitor and calculate. So, you know, all I can do is, you know, I set different prices for the weekends versus the weekdays. You know, I have seasonality in, in my pricing. I look at special events. But uh, that's pretty much as far as you can go as an individual without uh, it becoming a full-time job. Well, exactly, yeah, and it's it, and even that what you're doing is already more than what a lot of people do, mm-hmm. um, and and even that, as you say, even that is you know it's definitely a step beyond you know beyond the basics, but even that's not ideal because you're my I would guess anyway you're probably not doing it every single day looking at at, at the prices every single day you know sometimes multiple times a day constantly mm-hmm. monitoring all of your, you know, your listing, all your competitions listing, what area hotels are doing, all that sort of stuff. That's just, it's just too much work yeah. for any, you know, <laughs> at least any, any, uh, anyone that has a, a life outside of, <laughs> right, exactly. outside, outside of managing yeah. their Airbnb listing. And it's, it's a lot of work. And also it's, uh, it's hard to, uh, to measure the facts as well, you know, because you can't, in an ideal world, you, you have two, you know, two worlds. And two Airbnb listings, and then in one, you know, you, you, you use one strategy, and the other one you do is a different strategy, and at least you can you can see what works best. Um, but uh, but so with with one listing, you're also not completely sure if if what you're doing all this time that you're an effort that you're putting in, if it's actually like bringing you like much better results or not. 
Yeah, and so and so what it ends up being is it ends up being a perfect job for a computer, and that's right. and that's why if you look you know back at history at the airlines and the hotels when they first brought their revenue management systems into play it was in the seventies and the eighties right when when computers started to become a little bit more mainstream. Certainly there were still mainframes and things like that, but they became a little bit more mainstream. Um, it's because computers can do this job. And, you know, as I say, unless you have no life other than managing your Airbnb listing, you know, a, a human can't really do this job or can't, right. can't do it as well. Mm -hmm. And so that's, so that's the service that we're trying to bring to people is basically an automated pricing service. What you do is you sign up for our product and we look at the market for you. We look at the, you know, the competing Airbnbs. We look at competing hotels. We look at seasonality trends. We look at, I mean, all kinds of crazy data down to like FAA passenger employment and deployment data at the local airport. We look at all this data and we sort of synergize and, 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 and collate it all and end up coming up with a single nightly price for every night. So, you know, tomorrow night we might say, oh, you're, you know, your place, you should rent it for $72. Uh, the night after that, you should rent it for 85 the night after that, you should rent it for 105, and then the night after, you should rent it for 90. Whatever you know, whatever the the model says, um, but we we come up with that single unified price uh, for or, or set of prices for each night that you have coming out for the next several months, mm -hmm. and then we connect with Airbnb and we actually set those prices in Airbnb. So right. essentially, it's a completely hands off pricing system. You sign up, you you let us set all your prices for you, and bottom line, you make more money at the end of the day. So let's talk about how it works. Uh, let's say I want to use it, and um, all I need to do is I sign up, and then Everbook connects to my my calendar, and that's all I need to do. Is there any sort of input from from my side? There's not a lot of input, no. So really, yeah, all you need to do is you sign up, and you um, you connect it up to your your Airbnb calendar. And you'll, you can import, if you have more than one listing, you can import either just a single listing if you just want to test it out, or you can import all your listings if you're ready to go ahead with it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and you hit go, and it updates your prices and, and just continually does that. We update uh, four times a day. So every six hours or so, we'll go through and relook at the local market and relook at all the competing Airbnbs and relook at everything and then go and update your prices. Now, they don't, they don't always change every six hours, but at least you know we're looking at it every six hours to, to make sure we've got sort of the most current data, and it really is a pretty a pretty set it and forget it uh, type of type of system. And as I say, at the end of the day, what it does is it increases your revenue. We've seen you know revenue increases as much as forty percent for some of our clients that are using our using our system already. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's you know at least in my mind that's that's a pretty significant increase for something that you just sort of have to turn on. Yeah, that's that's incredible, and you know it's not it's not even just the. The revenue increase, but it also saves you time, right? You don't have to go into your calendar every day, update it, look at the prices, and you know figure figure things out. Well, not only does it save you time, it actually also helps you get more bookings, which leads to more reviews and leads to a better uh, rating or ranking on Airbnb. Um, because you know, if you imagine what we're doing is we're both raising and lowering prices, so we're trying to raise it. On, on nights when there's really high demand, maybe there's a conference in town or something like that. Um, but we're also lowering it. Uh, like that I, that night I mentioned earlier, the, the, you know, the rainy November Tuesday night in Portland, Oregon. Mm -hmm. um, we're lowering the prices on nights like that, just like hotels are. And so what it means is, is that you're going to be able to capture a booking. There's still a few people coming to town that night. You're going to be able to capture a booking that maybe your competition or that, the, that uh, someone down the street wouldn't be able to capture. And right. capturing that booking means that you get another an extra review from an extra guest, and that, as I say, increases your, uh, uh, your, your search rank and things like that on Airbnb.
Absolutely. Getting bookings is, you know, probably the most important thing of, uh, of, of running your listing. Um, and an empty house is, you know, it doesn't bring in any money and doesn't bring in any reviews, any word of mouth advertising. So it's always better to have somebody pay something than to, to just have your house stay empty. Exactly. Yeah, um, exactly. One question I have for you, David, is, uh, what about the base price? Do you guys set the base price and then vary the pricing around that price or, or does the, uh, the host still have to set that themselves? So we're right now in the process of building some tools that will help our hosts do that. Um, right now, the host usually does it in consultation with us. So when you become a customer, um, it, it allows you to go in and set your base price automatically if you want. But we uh, we send an email to you usually within a few hours of you signing up just to check in and make sure everything's okay. And and some of our hosts will do will set a base price in consultation with us. Um, we're we're in the process, as I say, of building tools though that will make that 100% completely automatic. Okay. Very cool. So it's basically uh, it's basically a pretty hands off system. What if people um, want to override a price? Let's say my my cousin is staying in my house and I well, I want to give him a discount. So instead of your optimized pricing, uh, I want to just uh, put in some sort of price that I agreed on. Yeah, so we do have the ability to do that. Uh, so if you go in your log into your Everbook account, uh, you'll see a calendar with all your prices, and it's just you know this week, next week, the week after, and mm -hmm. so on and so forth with each price set uh, on each day. And it actually also interestingly it has this neat little map that allows you to see um, sort of why the price has been increased or decreased. But one of the options on there is is an override ability. You click the price and you say, you know, I'd, I'd rather have uh, you know ten dollars a night. You said your cousin's coming. How much do you like him? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I'd rather have ten dollars a night or whatever you know, whatever number you want, um, right. and, and you can override your price. Mm -hmm. And and you can also, when you're doing that, you can also set a minimum price. So if you want to say, uh, you know, hey, I, I'm willing to vary my price up and down, but if there's a if there's you know a really bad night that Tuesday in November in Portland, really bad night, I don't want to go below whatever the number is, $70 a night or something like that. It's, just, it's not worth it to me to have a guest for less than $70 a night. Um, right. You can set that. You can set basically a minimum price, and then our system will go in and reduce your listing down to the minimum price if, if it thinks that that's the appropriate thing to do on that night, but it won't go below the minimum price right. even if it otherwise would have. Do you also have a maximum price? We do, yeah. So some of our hosts have told us that they, that they, they want to um, basically be careful not to uh, in their in their mind, um, I guess overcharge or, or, or you know charge some really absorbent rate, even if say there's a conference or something in town, there's a lot of demand, and so we do allow hosts to set both a minimum and a maximum price, uh, okay. and again, just works just like the minimum price. Where if they the price would otherwise be higher, uh, we set it and we cut it off and cap it at that maximum price. Mm -hmm. And what uh, what are the results so far? Are, uh, is it is it working well? You were, you mentioned earlier that. Uh, some people make up to 40% extra. Um, is that, I'm, I'm assuming that's, uh, that's not the case for everybody, but uh, what's, what's sort of like more of an average uh, improvement? Well, it's, so it's actually, it's the case for a lot of folks. I mean, we're, we're seeing generally uh, anywhere from 20 to 40% mm -hmm. uh, extra uh, for a host that hasn't been doing any dynamic pricing in the past. So that's a host that has just a single flat static price they're charging whatever it is, $100 a night, whatever the number is, they're right. charging a flat rate every night of the year. Um, you know, we see anywhere from, from 20 to 40% increase. In one or two cases, we've actually seen more. Um, 
for for folks that have been doing some sort of limited dynamic pricing, like maybe they're raising their their rates on weekends and not raising it on on weeknights, uh, we're still seeing pretty good improvements. Uh, it's a little less than the twenty forty percent, but it's it's still right up there. Right. That's pretty. Uh, that's pretty incredible. That's a lot, a lot of money, especially if you're doing it full time. It's a lot of money if you're doing it full time. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I'd, I'd love to use it. Uh, my listing is in Amsterdam. I don't think you guys are outside of the U.S. yet. Is that is that right? Yeah. So so right now we focused on uh, on the U.S. and um, we're in uh, uh, two thousand five hundred cities in the U.S. right now. Um, most of the major metro areas. So, I mean, you know, San Francisco, Seattle, Portland, Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, Miami, Atlanta, Denver, Las Vegas, um, quite a few others as well. Um, we're in, in most of the major metro areas in the United States. Um, we unfortunately have not yet hit Amsterdam, but that's coming soon. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Um, what uh, what's, uh, what's coming up on your, on your end? Are you, are you expanding internationally, like, pretty quickly over the next uh, few months or, or years or yeah well so i think there's you know there's a, there's a couple big things that we're working on right now that we're pretty excited about um you know one certainly is a continued expansion i mean we've we've really um been able to to start to bring new cities that we support online very quickly uh, if you imagine it's a it's a fairly complex process to bring a new city online so we have to collect a whole bunch of data about the city from mm-hmm. you know what's what seasonality and what you know um those types of trends are to uh, what area hotels are doing what all the other airbnbs in the, in the city are doing so it's a fairly complex process to bring a new city online we've really got that process down uh so that we're expanding extremely quickly right now so both bringing online more u.s cities as well as expanding internationally and, and hitting some of the top markets in in europe and asia um very excited about that. Also very excited about some of the tools that I mentioned uh, or alluded to a minute ago around ho- helping hosts um, understand what their competition looks like and understand uh, what their base price uh, is uh, should be. We're, we're working on a lot of stuff there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's pretty exciting. And then we're also we're, we're working a lot to, um, to improve our algorithm. It's one of those things where we've already seen, uh, as I say, 20 to 40% improvement for a lot of hosts, but we think it can get even better. And so for mm-hmm. folks that sign up now, um, they'll only benefit from that improved algorithm uh, as we as we continue to roll it out over the next couple of months. So, mm-hmm. lots of stuff going on. Awesome! That's uh, that's very exciting. Um, I know there's a, a number of uh, companies that, uh, that that either have pricing tools or, or help Airbnb hosts um, improve their pricing. What uh, what would you say is is uh, special about Everbook? Like, is why, why is Everbook the best uh, pricing algorithm? Well, I think I think our real strength really is our technology. Um, you know, we look at more data than really any of our competitors do, um, and you can imagine that if you have more data to look at, you can you can create a better algorithm, mm-hmm. and you can you can thus increase revenue more than any of the competitors. So, you know, I think. I think really our secret sauce uh, really is in our the amount of data we collect, the amount of information we look at, and the algorithm, the, the what we do with that data to actually set a price. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that that in my mind puts us far and away, uh, you know, above uh, our competition. Right. And talking about the algorithm, without getting too technical, could you could you just uh, give us a, a bit of a summary? Of what are the things that you you look at? Like, what are the most important factors involved in calculating these prices? 
Well, there's there's quite a few. I could probably <laughs> I could probably spend an hour uh, on, on this topic alone, but I will I'll, I'll try to give you at least a, a high level, Jasper. Um, you know, I guess at the you know sort of at a very base level, um, we look at things like seasonality. So that's uh, that's how many people are uh, needing to travel or wanting to travel on any given week of the year. You can imagine that again if we if we take Portland, Oregon as an example. You know, absolutely gorgeous during the summer, extremely high demand during the summer. Um, very low demand during the winter, and so if you if you go to Portland in you know October or November or December, um, very very low demand. Whereas if you go to Portland in July or August, uh, it's it's very very high demand. So we look at seasonality. Um, we look at, at day of week trends, and we do that on on sort of a quote unquote hyper local level. So uh, if you imagine, say, uh, a beach town like Santa Monica, California, it's uh, down uh, down by L.A. Um, you know. Good demand every day of the week, but especially good demand for folks that are that are uh, going there on the weekend. Um, conversely, if you look at a sort of more of a business town like San Jose, California, uh, which is here in the Bay Area, it's just about an hour south of us here in Oakland. Uh, it's it's really it's it's a business town. There's really not a lot to do there on the weekends, and there's a lot of travelers that come in to go to, to companies like Adobe Systems and folks like that. So the demand is much higher on the weekday than it is on the weekend. So we look at we look at seasonality. We look at day of week trends. Um, we look at uh, what we call a distressed inventory or immediacy factor. So, if your place hasn't booked and it's, it's you know coming it, the, the night in question is coming soon, uh, we like to try to discount it a little bit to say, hey, you know what, last minute deal. Let's get somebody in here, even though we haven't booked it. Let's get somebody in here at a lower price than uh, than better to do that than not get somebody in at all. We also look a lot at uh, events. So you know what events are going on in town? Is there a big concert? Is there a big, uh, a, you know, a big uh, corporate conference? Things like that. Anything in town? And actually, ask me. Remind me. Ask me about that later, Jess, because there's some interesting things on events I want to tell you about. Um, but uh, and then and then we look we look at the competition as well. So we look at hotels and we look at other Airbnbs. You know, if if another uh, the other Airbnbs around your Airbnb are getting booked up, odds are that somebody's going to be willing to pay a slightly higher price your place because it's one of the last ones left in the area that they're looking at. Conversely, if other Airbnbs are all available, you might somebody might want to uh, pay a slightly lower price for your place or, or you attract them with a slightly lower price because there's lots and lots and lots of choices in your immediate neighborhood. So lots of different factors uh, that, we, that we look at. Yeah, and that's, uh, and that's the reason why it's so hard to, uh, you know, to, to do this without having an algorithm and a computer. Um, at hand, uh, you, you mentioned something about special events. Well, events events is one of the most interesting ones to me because you sort of think, okay, so there's an event in town, uh, you should raise your prices. Uh -huh. But it turns out that that's not actually necessarily true. Um, what you really need to look at is, is there an event in town that's going to bring travelers from out of town into your city? Mm -hmm. And only then should you raise your prices. And so there's a lot of events that happen here in San Francisco and L.A. and New York and I think most major cities in the world, um, which really are really sort of locally focused events. So they're big. You, know, you get a lot of people coming into town for them. But they're, they're, they're folks from other nearby cities, maybe folks from the suburbs or folks, folks that can drive home and you know, mm -hmm. they live an hour away and they can drive home at night. Right. Um, and so they don't need an Airbnb. And so even though these are huge, massive, well-known events – they hardly affect pricing at all. Okay. Then there's other events that you know, maybe a, a major sporting event like in the U.S. here, the Super Bowl, something like that, um, where uh, you know folks are coming into town. A lot of folks are coming into town 
from some foreign city. And so those events do hugely impact pricing. And one of the key things that we figure out is which events are the ones that impact pricing and, and bring a lot of people in from out of town and which events are the ones that are really just local events that are big but not they – don't, they don't matter from a pricing standpoint. Right. And how do, how do you figure that out? Like you look at the statistics from, from the, the, the events uh, give you or – Well, that's, that's, that's part of the secret sauce. But, uh, yeah, what we, what we do is we look at uh, a number of different factors uh, from events. So things like, uh, you know, if it's a recurring event, which a lot of them are, you know, what, what happened last year? Right? What happened to hotel prices or what happened to Airbnb prices last year? Right. You know, did they go up at the time of this event? Mm -hmm. um, you know, we look, at, we look at event popularity and things like that. There's some social factors and things like that that we can look at. So, um, you know, how many people are talking about this event, where are those people based? those sorts of things. And, and using a lot of factors like that, we can get a pretty good gauge on whether or not the event is going to be an event that's going to bring people into town or an event that's just sort of a local, you know, big but local event. Right. Makes a lot of sense. Um, let's, uh, let's talk about the, uh, the costs. Like what, how much does it cost to, to have your service? Well, we try to take a, a pretty simple pricing model. So we're charging uh, 1% of gross earnings after your free trial. And uh, I believe we've arranged a, a special deal, Jasper, for some of your, your uh, podcast listeners on the free trial. We can talk about that a little bit later. Mm -hmm. um, but, but once the free trial is over, uh, we charge 1% of your gross earnings. So uh, essentially just 1% right at the top. But keep in mind, you're making 10 to 40% more. Uh, so, you know, there's a, there's a significant increase in your revenue and we're just taking a little piece of that. Yeah. That sounds like a no brainer to me. <laughs> it, it, in my mind it is. <laughs> and, um, okay. So, uh, so I think normally people get 30 days free and, uh, there's, there's no other uh, costs. It's just a, just a 1%. Yeah. No sign up costs or something like that. No, there's no, there's no sign up costs. As I say, it really just takes a couple of minutes um, of your of your time, and uh, yeah, just just one percent, and then that's a that that's it. So we like to keep it uh, keep it pretty simple. Very cool. Um, and you mentioned uh, uh, that we have a, a special offer for our, our listeners. So normally you get thirty days free, but if you sign up with our special promotion code. GPFYP, which stands for Get Paid for Your Pad, uh, you will get 90 days for free. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. So uh, for, for your podcast listeners only, uh, if you guys sign up for the Everbook service with, uh, with the Get Paid for Your Pad code, uh, again, GPFYP, um, then you'll get a 90-day free trial rather than a 30-day free trial. So it gives you three months to give it a go. Don't have to pay us anything. And, um, you know, you'll, as I say, you'll definitely see an increase in earnings. So we're very, very optimistic you want to keep it around, but you get 90 days to, uh, to, to make that decision. Awesome. I like that because then there's really no risk, and uh, especially because you're, you're always in control, right? You can, you can set overrides. Um, so... You don't have to uh, be completely uh, reliant on the uh, on the algorithm if you don't want to. So there's really no risk of uh, of trying it out. I would say. Well, and and not only that. I mean, you know, we certainly don't think you want to. But if you wanted to, you certainly can turn it off and on. So if you, if you sign up and you want to try it out, and then you decide for whatever reason that you don't like it, uh, you can turn it off. Okay. Um, again, don't 
you know, not many people do that. And we don't we don't think you'd want to, but we give you the option if if, if that's uh, you know if that's something you do want to do. Awesome. So for those who do want to try this out, uh, you can go to everbooked.com. That's e v e r b o o k e d everbooked and uh, use the uh, promotion code GPFYP and you'll get your 90-day free trial. Um, I also put these, uh, these details in the show notes that you can find at getpaidforyourpet.com as always. So, um, David, uh, thank you so much for, for your time. It's, it's been a really interesting talk. Well, likewise, likewise, Jasper. And one, one other thing I wanted to mention to your listeners too. So, as I say, we're in uh, at, at the time of this podcast anyway, uh, two thousand five hundred and forty-four cities in the U.S. But we're we're releasing more uh, almost every day. And so, uh, if you don't, if you visit our website, uh, if you want to check whether or not we're in your area, you can click on the cities tab on our website, and it'll it'll let you uh, search for your city. Uh, if we're not, I'd still encourage you to to go ahead and sign up. Uh, what, you'll, what we'll do is we'll notify you uh, when you we get to your city, and so you'll be able to turn it on as soon as we're there. But we're 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 in a lot of cities already. Very very cool. Thanks, David. It's been a pleasure. And uh, for all the listeners, uh, uh, if you uh, want to know more about Airbnb hosting, you can of course download uh, our book uh, on Amazon.com. Just search for Airbnb, and it should be the first book to uh, to show up. Um, and also, uh, there's a bunch of free resources that you can get at getpaidforyourpet.com as well. You can get uh, the audiobook. You can get first couple of chapters uh, for free. So uh, go ahead and check that out. There's also a bunch of uh, good articles on the site. And uh, of course, every week there will be a new episode with interesting guests from all over the world. So with that, uh, I'm uh, finishing up this episode. Uh, David, thank you very much for, uh, for your time. And uh, everybody out there, we'll uh, see you next time. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet.